When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Glad you're with us this afternoon. If you're listening in Joplin, Missouri, we say hello to you on Somo Sports Radio. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. And across the Outkick network, you can find us Fox Sports Knoxville, Fox Sports Shoal in Florence, Alabama, Huntsville, and Muscle Shoals, and Sports Radio 104.7 across the Upper Cumberland right here in Tennessee. Just up the road from us, we're in Nashville at 6th and Peabody with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. Streaming the show out here in the the beer garden right now, guys. Nice. nice. I've always wanted to be live in a beer garden uh, on a, <laughs> we on made a it. screen somewhere. We made finally, it. we made it. Years and years of, of toiling to try to get there. We finally made it, guys. John McClain about to join us. and uh, He's from TexasSportsNation.com, Cron.com. And you can follow him on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. And John joins us each and every week at this time and we hit the biggest NFL news notes and topics. John, hope you're doing well. Hope you had a great New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Very satisfying. Yes. Congratulations to Baylor as well. Uh, we're going to dive into the... There he is. He's giving the Sikkim sign for oh, us. Yeah. We're going to dive into NFL Coach of the Year candidates in a moment. But... First, let's go back to last night and discuss Big Ben's send-off at Heinz Field. What did you make of it uh, and how everything played out for Ben Roethlisberger and what everyone is saying, and he confirmed last night his final game as the Steelers starter there. I would have liked to have been there. I used to go to Heinz Field, especially the first year it was open. So much better than old Three Rivers Stadium where I went for decades, and I would have liked to have heard that ovation. I did. Uh, online and on TV, and I thought it was tremendous because of everything he's done there. Never had a losing season, won two Super Bowls. I believe he'll be in the Hall of Fame. And and uh, tell you, what, the best game, a lot of really short passes. But I was happy for him, and I felt sorry for Baker Mayfield. I, I All season, I felt sorry for Ben Roethlisberger. Not in any other way, just that everything looks painful and it doesn't look fun. Um, at one point, Steve Levy on the broadcast last night, John, said uh, Ben Roethlisberger on third down is five for five passing, and the Steelers have not converted a third down passing. Think about how short those passes were for for him not to be able to convert a third down. As people forget, when he came out of Miami of Ohio, he, was, he could run, and he ran a lot. Ben 6'6", six, six, that's a big target. Yeah, a lot of people bounced off of him through the – through the years, but you think of how many hits he's taken, how much punishment his body has absorbed, and watching him against the Browns, you could almost feel how bad he hurt. Now, they could end up in the playoffs. You know, they got to win the last game against Baltimore and get some help, but what a fitting in that would be to see Ben in the playoffs. So I'm pretty sure they would be one and done. It was painful 
to watch him play. But on the other hand, he's got to feel it be excited, but also feel relieved based on the way he's been hurt the last two or three years, even though he didn't miss a lot of games. And Paul, you and I were, were mentioning the, the playoff scenarios. John just referenced how the Steelers could get in. They need to beat the Ravens in week 18. They need the Colts to lose to Jacksonville. And then they need the Chargers and Raiders to not end in a tie. There can be a result. The result cannot be a tie. I, I mean, all of that. The thing is, everybody thinks that there's no way the Colts lose to the Jaguars, including me. Except the Colts have lost what six in a row in ja- five but, or six uh, in a row. Those games are almost always played early in the year, right? This is quitting season in Jacksonville. I don't know if those games are That's typically fair. played during quitting season. Well, they normally I play. No, the division games are at the end of the year. Yeah. So at least a couple of them would have been at the end of the year, I think. John, your thoughts on on the Jaguars' chance to uh, <laughs> to to ruin things for the Colts? Laughing. That's my thoughts. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, John. I, I don't see any way that that's going to happen. That that team has quit. Pittsburgh, though, that, let's go back to them. What should they do at quarterback? When you look at that roster, are they a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender? Is this a go into the draft and rebuild the quarterback position? Or is this an ante up and go get a top QB that you can trade for or bring in? Word's already out that they want a veteran. They don't want to start over with a rookie. And by the way, a shout-out to T.J. Watt. 21 sacks. He's really close to setting the all-time record. I think he missed a game or two, so it's not like he would be taking advantage of the 17th game. And I thought he should have been Defensive Player of the Year last year when every stat he had was better than Aaron Donald. But Donald won it again. He was deserving, too. But what he did was pretty phenomenal. But if they want a veteran quarterback, there's Aaron Rodgers, there's Deshaun Watson. I don't see them going after Watson. And then there would be Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson it's said he wants to win three more Super Bowls. He's won one. And uh, maybe he would want to go to an organization that's consistently good, has a running game with Najee Harris, who ended up over 1,100 yards and broke Franco Harris's rookie rushing record. And their receivers are okay. Their offensive line hasn't been good since Munchak left, but their defense is terrific. And that would be a destination where I would definitely want to go if I were Rodgers and I was Wilson. I still can't imagine that Aaron Rodgers, the way he can always dominate the division, he's got everybody that loves him. Why he would want to get out of Green Bay, and maybe he won't, other than he's just a weirdo, and maybe he just come out and say, hey, it's too cold here. You know, I want to wear flip-flops all year round, but they wouldn't be in Pittsburgh. But I could see Pittsburgh going after Rodgers or Wilson if, indeed, they're available. Now, Russell Wilson, I think, still has two years left on his contract. Rodgers has one. And uh, if I were them, I would definitely tell my agent, try to get me the Steelers if, indeed, they're leaving. You picked the Browns for the Super Bowl. Uh, things the Wheels came off there with injuries, uh, a COVID game. Baker Mayfield, uh, ugly, ugly ending last night with the nine sacks. Stefanski, for some reason, refusing to run it. Um, but I'm curious where you think they are going forward and what you think they do with Baker Mayfield, who you know might be a certain level good, but is not big money good. Yeah, they're not going. I don't can't see them signing him to a new contract. Let him play out that fifth year. Give him a year to bounce back. 
He has not been the same since the second game when he threw an interception against the Texans, tried to make a tackle, hurt his left shoulder. Now you're people in the media making fun of him because he has trouble throwing with a bad left shoulder. And I would like those guys to get out there and try to throw a football without putting your left hand on the football and seeing how much it affects you. But I be, believe he'll be back because what are the alternatives? A lot of veteran quarterbacks don't want to go to Cleveland and play in that weather. And I'm not just talking about snow and cold. I'm talking about the wind that blows off Lake Erie. You know, you Paul, you've seen it many times. And I have too. It doesn't matter if it's in September. I saw one person, national media type, saying to Sean Watson to Cleveland, I'm thinking, yeah, right. He rejected Philadelphia. It was one game in Cleveland. The weather was so bad, they had to evacuate the stadium, including all the fans and players. And I'm sure he's going to be eager to waive that no trade clause so he can go back there. John, game number 17 this weekend. Take out the fact that you were forced to cover the Houston Texans from your answer with this question. Do you like the new format as we get ready for a 17th game this week and you got the two games on Saturday with ESPN? I do, Chadillac. I think it's great. I love this time of year. It's always exciting for fans, the first game of the season. Then the playoff race begins, and the second best time to me is the playoffs and crunch time of December leading up to it, and now January. The more teams involved, the more fan bases, the more talk about tiebreakers. It's amazing. My hat's off to all these geniuses that can figure up all these tiebreakers and then do it on such a moment's notice. I'm guessing they have a software program uh, for it, but I think it's great. I can't wait. Titans are going to clinch home field advantage at NRG Stadium against the Texans. I'm writing a column for tomorrow about all the first the Titans are accomplishing since the franchise was in Houston with the Oilers. And I'm excited about this game because I wrote in October in our football preview when I had to do game by game. Last game, I said the Titans will have home field advantage wrapped up. Mike Vrabel will bench all of his starters and the Texans will win a fifth game. Now, that's not going to happen. Texans are going to finish 4-13, and but they are going to get home field advantage and a bye in a game at the Sion Stadium, and I think that is exciting, and I'm really happy for them. So, John, I, I like you. I'm for more football instead of less, so I like it. The one thing, though, that I'm, I'm still adjusting to that I don't think that I love right now is you had four teams with a bye before. You've got two now. Nine of the last 10 teams to go to a Super Bowl had that bye. That, that's a big adjustment going into it where you only have the one team getting the bye in the, in the opening round. What do you think about that element of this now moving forward? I don't like it, and if they don't like it, just tell them about the Buccaneers last year. Averaged 31 points a game and won four in a row to win the Super Bowl, and it can be done. There's been other wild card teams that have won the Super Bowl, but I'm I'm with you. I like your – I think there should be more of an advantage to winning a division title and having the second-best record in your conference than having to play immediately with a home game. I like the two buys as well. John McClain with us, and uh, you can join us by chiming in on Twitter at Outkick360 is where you can join the show on this Tuesday afternoon. John, what what have we learned about the Cincinnati Bengals? Because all year, the perception has been, well, they're a year at, they're a year ahead. That this time next year, if they're playing at this clip, everyone will buy in. And meanwhile, the last two or three weeks, 
here's Cincy with Joe Burrow and the offense now going through him and not mixing. They are unleashing an offense that is really extremely tough to defend because they can run it, and now they have a connection uh, that they've had all year with their rookie chase. They're adding in T. Higgins in that mix. They have a tight end that is capable in Uzuma. I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on on what Burrow is doing and, and what you think about the Bengals, who currently uh, are not only the AFC North champions, but they have the chance to move up based on a win this week and what happens in front of them with Kansas City and Tennessee. Zach Taylor uh, is doing a tremendous job, but it was a no-brainer to take Joe Burrow. And then they made the choice to take Jamar Chase over Sewell, and they did it, and it was the right move. And when I when I look at Coach of the Year candidates, and I'm writing a column tomorrow about Vrabel and Robinson, if you take away the weapons from the Bengals that the Titans have had taken away from their offense, would they be here? Hell no, they wouldn't be here. If you took away Aaron Rodgers' two or three of his weapons like that, would he be here? Maybe but uh, they certainly wouldn't be the best team in the NFC. And they've got great offensive players. Jamar Chase, I think, has overtaken Mac Jones for Offensive Rookie of the Year and uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year, of course, runaway from Michael Parsons. But I think uh, the Bengals are fun. They're exciting. They've got balance. He's got multitude of receivers. And uh, it's going to be fun to watch them because they've been bad for so long made so many mistakes when it came to players. I just want to see if Zach Taylor can do something Marvin Lewis never did, actually win a playoff game. And, Paul, that we went through the first-round playoffs if they ended, and things were going to change this weekend. Um, but having to go to Cincinnati this time of year would not be fun for any road team. No, even though the Bengals didn't play particularly well at, at home this year, and I would imagine the city would be at an absolute fire. To, to host a home playoff game with Burrow coming off, even if he doesn't do anything much this week. His last two games have been off the charts as uh, as combined statistically. That win there I'll would play a huge factor guys, in postseason play, John. Excuse me. At the end of that last game, Zach Taylor going for a touchdown instead of a field goal. If I was a Bengal fan, I'd be scared about a guy making that kind of decision. What's he going to make in the playoffs? Uh, Hopefully, he learned his lesson. As someone who's been to Cincinnati since, gosh, the late 70s, I'm happy for them. It's a great city. It's a pretty good football town. And uh, I remember when they used to be really good, went to two Super Bowls. This team's built to last. And as long as Joe Burrow's healthy and doesn't blow out his knee like he did as a rookie, they're going to be tremendous. John McClain with us for another segment. We're going to talk all things NFL We'll discuss the respect factor that teams are having against teams like Kansas City and quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes. You mentioned Zach Taylor going for the touchdown um, and on that fourth down, getting the bailout with the call, ends up winning by 334-31. They're doing that because they don't want to give Mahomes the football with only a three-point deficit with under a minute to play. There's only Rodgers and Brady, and maybe not Brady now with the offensive weapons that he has, that you would do that against moving forward, and teams are being uber-aggressive against Kansas City. We'll get John's take on all that and those teams I just mentioned. We'll talk Titans football as well and what they've accomplished by having a chance to win and secure the number one overall seed. Antonio Brown and how things ended for him in the third quarter. 
leaving and quitting on his team this weekend. A lot of headlines out there. We'll re-hit what he just said about Vrabel and coach of the year. There are two other coaches that are ahead of him in the odds out in Vegas to win NFL coach of the year. We'll compare the three coaches that are up for this award going into the week's uh, the, the final week of the NFL season. That's all straight ahead. Again, follow John on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. He's back with us next on Outkick 360. John McLean with us. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The crew all here this afternoon in Music City. John, the uh, NFL Coach of the Year candidates, at one point it looked like Bill Belichick was definitely in the mix. Um, If you start looking at what FanDuel, for instance, has out there, it's Matt LaFleur, Zach Taylor, and then Mike Vrabel, and then the odds really drop off after that uh, with the the bookmakers and those uh, that are taking bets on this, saying it's one of those three. No matter what happens in week 18, it's either LaFleur, Taylor, or Vrabel with Frank Reich and Bill Belichick and, and Nick Sirianni uh, well beneath those three. You say Vrabel. I know you're writing a column on this for tomorrow at TexasSportsNation.com. Why are so many um, in our position discussing this topic and so many on board with the idea that Matt LaFleur is in fact the coach of the year, given the fact that Green Bay is exactly where they were at this point last year, and Aaron Rodgers is playing at a rate equal to, if not better than, the MVP rate he was playing at last year? First of all, if you take Devontae Adams out of that offense for eight games, will they go 8-0 without him? What if you take away their top running back? What if you do... If you know, Devontae Adams is the equivalent of Derrick Henry, their top offensive weapon, nine quarterback. And he hadn't had that problem. Matt LaFleur has done a really good job. First Packer coach to win at least 13 games, three years in a row. He's had a healthy Rodgers all three years. People point out, well, before uh, LaFleur got there, their record was just barely over 500, and Rodgers was not playing nearly as well. The only thing that counts is this year. And when you think A.J. Brown missed four games and he was hurt for some other games, Julio Jones, seven games he's been out. If you look at you're using a record 88 players in a non-strike season, I think a lot of these people don't know that. And and you're going to clinch the home field advantage and you're going to finish 12-5. and And Zach Taylor, if you took, say, Jamar Chase out of that offense, where would they be for eight games? And then you took, say, Joe Mixon out for seven games and uh, uh, T. Higgins out for four. That's what the Derrick Henry and Julio Jones and A.J. Brown have missed. Where would Joe Burrow and the Bengals be? And the thing that I like so much about Vrabel is they won the time of possession 12 of 16 games because he hasn't changed his philosophy. And when you can get Deontay Foreman, to rush for a career-high 132 yards, you're doing something right. And who found all these players? Now, obviously, Mike knew them. But John Robinson acquires them. And that's why I think, based on that 88-player statistic, John Robinson deserves strong consideration for executive of the year. And I don't know why they're not getting more love. 
I guess maybe people say, well, they got beat by the Texans and the Jets. And yes, they did. And there are people remember when, okay, they were nine and five. Well, now they're 11 and five, about to be 12 and five. But I think people are just not paying enough attention to what's transpiring with each of those teams, especially the Titans. Part of the reason they don't get as much love as they should, John, is because uh, they don't talk enough to national reporters for national reporters' satisfaction. They talk to them too much for my satisfaction. They talk to them not enough for those national <laughs> it, reporters' satisfaction. Yeah, but it's the not, it's not is, Paul. It's not, their, it's not their job to have the national reporters who are paid to cover the league nationally to, to do their to job. pay attention. No, I understand. And there's too much groupthink in this sport. Where I'm not, I know you understand, but there's too much groupthink in this sport where if you have one of the three main guys covering the league, Peter King, Adam Schefter, or Ian Rappaport, mention what John just laid out, half the media will jump on board with this they, they as will. soon as they clinch yes. the number one Here, overall Here's seat. the other thing, though. I, I would scratch Julio Jones from what you're talking about. Julio Jones is a bust. They're not missing Julio Jones because well, Julio Jones isn't doing anything when he's out there. He's caught but that's, nine passes since Derrick Henry went down. But that's more evidence to John's point. That's, that's more point. evidence to Mike Vrabel's masterful performance. I think he's got a great case. but I think That was John Robinson's think, move, and then it didn't even work out. And there's still – this is what's amazing to me, John, and, and we talk a lot about this. I think fans make too big of an issue, uh, Titans fans, about the lack of national media coverage. But I'll be damned. I have never seen a number one seed in the playoffs get less talk than the Titans. It's like everyone across the league is angry that they're there in the number one position with a bye and that. don't want to talk about their possibilities of winning in the playoffs at all. And it's it's almost the point of being weird. I do easy, see, but it's the easy excuse because they haven't watched. It's all groupthink, and they repeat what people say on podcasts, what they say on NFL Network, and what Schefter's reporting on all these big-name teams that are on national TV every week. Um, it's No one's actually paying attention to the Titans, so the easy answer is, well, the analytics show that they're going to be the worst number one overall seed in the last decade. I guess they're watching the Bengals a bit more because of Burrow and its quarterback-driven league. I do think Zach Taylor has a very good case. Zach Taylor was 4-11-1 last year. The Bengals put out a release to say he wasn't going to be fired. And yeah, he's got good talent. You could play the takeaway his best guy's game, but nobody was picking the Bengals to win that division this year. Very few people. Loaded division with last year's coach of the year in Kevin Stefanski. He's done a hell of a job. And I, 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 if, if Mike Vrabel loses out to him, I'll have less of an objection. Losing out to LaFleur would be weird. It does usually go to somebody whose team has gotten substantially better from one year to the next. I'm not saying that's right, but I would understand that pattern. LaFleur, I wouldn't really understand. Well, well, John, you're someone who pays attention to the whole league, and, and anyone who's ever listened to you, read you, understands that. So you're not playing favorites with any of this because you're, you're following the entire league. Do you buy into what Hutton's saying, though? That there are a lot of writers out there that probably are influenced by some of the bigger national media brands out there and what they're discussing? Yeah, I do. But uh, the people that vote on those awards on the AP All-Pro team, there's a lot of former coaches and players on that list, not just writers. And writers have been around forever. And I'll point out something else by making a case for Rabel. His two leading rushers are running backs cut by the Texans, and A.J. Brown is tied for 46th in catches, and he is uh, 36th in yards, and he's the leading receiver. 
for the team. And so they're not throwing the ball well, and they got backup running backs running, and yet they're still winning. And that's a credit to the coaches, not just Mike Vrabel, but the, the coordinators, Todd Downing and Shane Bowen, and the position coaches and John Robinson for getting those players. And that's why I think both of them are very deserving of that honor. And I'm like, Paul, I wouldn't have a problem if Zach Taylor got it. But all these people making such a big case online about Matt LaFleur, and I think Matt's done a really good job, but it's hard for me to go with a coach who's got Aaron Rodgers all the time. Former players or coaches who voted last year uh, among the 50 voters include Tony, Tony, uh, it changes year to year, okay. or there are some changes. I have the list of 50 from last year. Includes Tony Dungy, Boomer Esiason, Rich Gannon, Rodney Harrison, my, my good friend, Pat Kerwin, um, Bill, Pol- on there? Bill Polian, Strahan. Uh, I don't see Aikman. I think that covered that. James Lofton. Those are the player people. Charles Davis, our friends on there. John, let's go from Coach of the Year to Black Monday Coaches on the Street uh, this coming Monday. And let me roll through a couple names, handful of names. You tell me if they're employed by Tuesday morning, a week from today. Uh, and some of these are no-brainers, I think. Matt Nagy uh, in in Chicago. I would think he's gone, but playing a rookie quarterback, and, and that might be saving him for one more year. Mike Zimmer in Minnesota. I think Zimmer's gone after eight years. Vic Fangio in Denver. If Vic had a quarterback to go with that defense, they'd be really good. I wouldn't fire him after two years, but they had a new GM this year. George Payton, and you know he has his own list. Yep, and we know that Jacksonville and and Vegas are open. Matt Rule with Carolina. No, I don't think he gave him a seven-year contract, total control. Another guy, he needs a quarterback. I think both those teams will be in the running for Deshaun Watson and any other quarterback who becomes available like Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. Both wanted Watson last year. I expect they'll want him. Uh, this year, any you buy the the report was it the Sports Business Journal had on on Tepper discussing Matt Rule saying he was unhappy and embarrassed with that hire. He's embarrassed uh, with the contract extent or the contract he gave him. I think was the report two years ago. Yeah. He gave him. A, he, we all thought he was going to the Giants, where he spent one year as an assistant line coach, and maybe his agent did a great job. Maybe it was the media that did a great job, but he gave him a seven-year deal. And if he has to pay him off, that's no big deal to a multi-billionaire. But I just don't see him cutting ties after two years. And the Raiders may not have an opening. If the Raiders beat the Chargers and go in the playoffs and close with a winning streak, I think he ought to get the job on a full-time basis besides you. Okay, I know Paul's got a follow to the Raiders storyline there. Finally, though, with just the names, Joe Judge for the Giants. The Mara family doesn't know what to do. They're bringing in a new general manager. Is that new general manager going to want to keep Joe Judge? The Giants are awful, but Daniel Jones is not developed. They're having to use backup quarterbacks. I think because the Maras are have been pretty patient, he'll be back. I don't know if you've got any former Giants on the Texans roster there, John, but 
little story <laughs> idea for you. Check in and see if they've been calling the Giants and calling Judge and saying how much they wish they had stayed. I wish I was still there on that terrible team. <laughs> Report out today, uh, who was it, Bruce Feldman? Yes. That says that Jim Harbaugh is having uh, some feelings about returning to the NFL. Uh, would be prime time if he thinks he's maxed out, finally beating Ohio State, winning a Big Ten title maybe taking them as far as he could college football playoff-wise. What do you think the interest level would be? And I had seen a report earlier this year that Mark Davis really likes him and feels like that would they're, be a, they're friends, a, maverick, the a maverick move in terms of not, uh, not hiring somebody the NFL would necessarily have on their list um, as somewhat of a payback move for, for them kicking Gruden out. Buyer beware. Everywhere he's been, they couldn't wait for him to go and including with the 49ers. There were so many stories about how bad things were there behind the scenes, and and when they got rid of him and they elevated Jim Tom Sula, one and done, he was terrible. They didn't care. Anybody but the four, anybody but Arbaugh. So bring him back, but he's got a big fire beware sign hanging around his neck. Sounds like a perfect raid. Yeah. Uh, former Raider Antonio Brown uh, he uh, bounced from the Bucks in the third quarter and uh, tried to get a state trooper to give him a ride. I guess he ended up getting an Uber. The driver came and he picked him up game. in an Uber black. Went to an uh, NBA game. Yeah, he stayed there. He was at Brook- Brooklyn Nets game last night. John, in, in your near 50 years covering the league, have you ever witnessed a player quit in the middle of the game and you know give the deuces on the way out and remove his jersey and that's all? that's all she wrote for him? And he walked on the playing field. I'm so tired of people making mistakes, making excuses for him. The guy's a head case, and it's amazing. The NFL should be embarrassed to continue to be so desperate. You would keep giving Antonio Brown chances. He's blown them all. I hope we've seen the last of him. It's weird that the NFL won't let the Bucks cut him. He still remains on their roster today. Yeah, that's just preposterous. And I don't know what's going on with that. But everything that happens to them, they deserve because they let Brady strong arm him into bringing him back, making Bruce Arians look like a liar based on what he said because he was so desperate. And uh, we'll wait and see what Antonio Brown says about it. There'll be people that take his side of it. Give me Bruce Arians over Antonio Brown any day of the week. Well, it's 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 uh, it's a it's a weird situation, John, with the NFL holding this up reportedly because. I understand that they're very sensitive to mental health issues, but if you're that sensitive to mental health issues, then you should follow what Tony Dungy said. And he said, I hope that no NFL team continues to condone this guy not getting help by signing him. He said that's his biggest problem is teams continue to sign him and pay him, and there needs to be some stipulation that he goes and gets whatever he needs first and then joins a team later, if, if that's the yeah, case. So don't let them be claimed. This, this don't seems not to be backwards. And, and Bruce Arian said today, oh, I have no regret signing Antonio Brown. And I'm thinking, well, of course you don't. You won a Super Bowl, and he helped you <laughs> a year ago. That's why you have no regrets with it now. It, it's a very weird situation. Do we know he has mental health no, issues? No, we don't. Are we just guessing? We don't. There's, there's a lot of people making that diagnosis, and it's probably a pretty easy dime store psychiatrist diagnosis to make based on his erratic behavior. But no, I mean, we haven't set him down to know 
if he has an actual mental health issue. It just certainly appears that way from the outside looking yeah, in. Yeah, it's very convenient for when him. When he's playing he well, nobody sympathy. talks about his mental health issues and he needs help. I, I agree. I, I agree entirely. I, I just don't understand, uh, and I'm, I'm not disagreeing with anything we're saying, but um, you know, it, it depends on who you are and whether or not the media wants to give you the benefit of the doubt for mental health nowadays. So it's one or the other, and the guy's clearly he has a screw loose. So I don't know if it's mental health or if the guy just needs, you know, anger management. Oh, it could be dumbness. But, you know, we've seen players opt out of seasons due to mental health issues, and it's no debate. What's going on in Atlanta with their wide receiver? No one's answering questions about him bowing out on a bad Falcons team middle of the year. Uh, But, you know, it's the way that Antonio Brown goes about things that makes you question the motives there. I I, I don't think he woke up Sunday morning and said, you know what? Third quarter, I'm out. I don't think it's like that. I think this guy just, you know, has a switch that flips and, you know, the lights go out. Well, and John, how much do you think Tom Brady helped him uh, with what he said post game uh, about having empathy for him? And he's just wishing for the best. And I mean, Tom Brady could have buried him uh, for, for treating the team that way and walking out in that, in that scene. Well, Barry wouldn't, Brady wouldn't done that. Then he'd make himself look like a fool because he's the reason he was there. Remember, he had him living yeah. with him at one point. So I'm just tired of people making excuses for him if he's got mental health issues and he wants help, good for him. If he doesn't, it's on him. And I guess he, he's got kids. I don't know if he has a wife or not. They all People talked about how hard he's worked through his whole career. This isn't something that just happened here. This goes way back. First time I can remember was him streaming Tomlin's speech live on Facebook. And that's the first time. And I wonder, everything that went on behind the scenes in Pittsburgh, we never heard anything about this. And Mike Tomlin did a fabulous job. On our way yep. out, it sure sounds, uh, you've said you expect the Titans to take care of business this weekend down there. A different team than we saw on November 21st when the Titans uh when Tannehill threw four interceptions, the Titans gave the game away. Um, how different is is this Texans team now with Mills instead of Taylor at quarterback? Um, and and while they, you don't expect them to win, they are playing a better brand of football. They beat uh, the Chargers 41-29. Chargers just weren't ready to play that game. And they were down 10-7 in the fourth quarter and gave up a touchdown and two field goals to the 49ers and got beat. 23 to 7. So they've been competitive. You know, I don't know if they're going to let Derrick Henry have any carries. Five carries, he'd probably get 100 yards. 10 carries, he'd get 150. <laughs> three in a row of 200. They need him to play, have a couple of carries so he can break that streak of three consecutive 200 yard games against the Texans. John, uh, finally, Dan Reeves passed away after uh, complications with dementia, age of 77. Went to four Super Bowls, never won one. Former head coach of the Broncos, the Giants, and the Falcons. Give us a great story uh, on Reeves that, that you have from your reporting days covering him. So many people talk about Dan Reeves being a Hall of Fame. Well, the problem is, as a player, he wasn't a Hall of Famer. As a general manager, he wasn't a Hall of Famer. As a coach, put everything together, nine Super Bowls, he should be a contributor, but he wasn't. He was a player coach and a general manager. And uh, when I was a kid in Waco, he came from the Cowboys to put in an appearance at an automobile dealership. I got my parents to take me there. 
And I remember being in awe of him, but how well he treated everybody. Just couldn't have been nicer to people. And then I remember the playoffs in uh, 1988, I think it was, that uh, Jerry Glanville, the coach of the Oilers, had a trick play. He'd used it against the uh, Steelers. And Chuck Knoll hated him. And that that was called, uh, uh, I'll think of the name of it in a minute, uh, Stagger Lee. So in a playoff game against Denver, he did it right off the bat. Broncos were ready, fumbled, short touchdown. Broncos routed him. And afterward, found out Chuck Nolan told Dan Reeves about Stagger Lee. <laughs> and he was ready. And then here in uh, 2005, they were looking for a new coach. They bring out Dan Reeves as a surprise person on their committee. And he's the one who recommended Gary Kubiak. And it was the best era they had uh, in their franchise when they won the first two division titles and playoff games. John McClain is full of stories just like that. And one of the many reasons we love having him on the show weekly. John, thank you as always. We always look forward to Tuesdays with you. We'll chat next week and we'll have the playoff picture at hand. Jonathan Paul and Chadillac, thank you very much as always. Good luck to the Titans in the playoffs. You're the man, John. John See you Sunday, John. John headed to Houston. Uh, the Titans headed to Houston where John will be covering the game. You can follow him and Paul for the in-game tweet. Johnstown. Uh, They're headed to oh, Johnstown. Is, that, is is McLean, John that is McLeanville. Coming up, it is now uh, – <laughs> we, we are looking at the quarterback carousel across college football. And uh, speaking of towns, Norman is now Dylan Gabriel's town. Sooners quarterback, as of yesterday morning – was Caleb Williams, and now it's Dylan Gabriel, and Caleb Williams is, in effect, an unrestricted free agent. That's next on Outkick 360. News from ESPN and Diana Russini involving the Titans. Welcome back, Outkick 360. Diana Russini tweets out that running back Derrick Henry is expected back at practice tomorrow, per sources. After jogging on the grass last week in cleats, another great step towards his return. I was told there's always a chance he can play against Houston, but not realistically a long shot. Not realistically, it is a long shot. Sorry. That's what she tweets out. That is out. big news for the Titans. And yeah. it continues and on the path of, uh, of news that he's going to be back for the playoffs. Well, that coincides with what Clay tweeted out over the weekend that last week yep. he was working out solo, running full speed without limping. Um, and that he was on track there. I... I would hesitate to play him this week at any cost. I don't think uh, for any benefit. Um, and for anybody that says, oh, he needs to knock some of the rust off, where are these people talking in the preseason when Derrick Henry does he barely practices in August? Didn't even need to go on the trip to Tampa. Yeah. Again, like it's up to him. He could knock off the rust, in my opinion, at practice. Put the shells on. If they have the bye week, they're likely to put some shoulder pads on and do something physical that week yeah, and the whole point of activating him this week if you're not uh you know if you're not I, I can't imagine they drop him straight in the practice the point of activating him then is because he can work with people as opposed to work on his own he can work with other players so they could put him off with and a couple coaches linebackers can work with him. yeah and they can put him off with a couple linebackers or or whomever yeah and I, it makes sense too because it opens up a 21 day window 
So it'll be 21 days from tomorrow that they would have to add him to their active roster, and they have the exemption for him to practice until then. Right. And that would lead up to the divisional round. The Titans would be hosting a game at Nissan Stadium as long as they win this week against Houston. And they don't they, need Henry to beat the Texans. they'd activate him the 21st or the 22nd, the day before their divisional round yeah. game. Great news for, for the Titans and for Titans fans that have been – you know, clamoring for this news and wanting this return. This has been the hope at the the light at the end of the tunnel. If you can make it through and weather the storm, you get your thoroughbreds back towards the end of the season. They had uh, AJ Brown back two days before Christmas. He's elevated. He's been you know he's eligible to come off injured reserve and does and puts on a show. And then two weeks later, but eleven days later the news that Derrick Henry can return to practice Wednesday, tomorrow, which is uh, great news for Titans fans and the Tennessee Titans who, again, can lock up the number one overall seed and they get their biggest playmaker back in the fold. It's great news for the Titans, and they did more than weather the storm. They're a win in Houston away from the number one overall yeah. seed and a bye uh, to get a little rest and to get Derrick Henry a little more rest before playing in the playoffs um, nothing shows the craziness of where we are in college football uh, with the transfer rule than what's going on with Oklahoma right now. So yesterday, the news breaks that Caleb Williams, their star quarterback, freshman quarterback from this past year, has entered the transfer portal. Oklahoma then follows that news up by releasing a statement with their sales pitch for Caleb Williams to stay. And they're going to continue a dialogue and show him all the benefits of staying in Oklahoma. That news is met with Dylan Gabriel, who's transferring from UCF as a quarterback, who had announced that he was going to go to UCLA. He changes, and now he's going to Oklahoma. And now today we have news that Mario Williams, who was the number four ranked recruiter, or excuse me, wide receiver in last year's recruiting class, is leaving Oklahoma and rumors about him possibly pairing up with Caleb Williams and going to the same destination. This is how crazy... It's nuts. It's, it's all happening in Oklahoma, and everywhere is going to have... You know, every program is going to have some of this happen, but it's happening a lot to Oklahoma right now, in and around this. Um, and also at UCLA. You go from having to cancel the bowl game with COVID issues to feeling like you're getting the perfect quarterback for Chip Kelly's system in Dylan Gabriel that ran a fast-paced system at UCF to now, oh, thanks but no thanks, Oklahoma's open with Caleb Williams leaving. I'll go there instead if you're Dylan Gabriel. It's nuts. It's nuts. I, and I don't... You'll never convince me. I understand that it's, it's great for the player that they have this level of freedom to do what they want. You'll never convince me that this part of it that we're witnessing right now, what's going on in Oklahoma, is in any way good for the sport. It's really people say it's free agency. It's NFLish. It's college free agency, but it's not because the NFL has rules. There's no rules here. This is the problem. High school sports have rules. You can't up and decide you're unhappy with your high school program and go to another one while living in your same home. You I mean, just, just rent an apartment down the street. Yeah, if you, if, if someone wants to rent the apartment for you. And that happens. That. that happens right here in Middle Tennessee. I'm sure it does, but still, it's not right. <laughs> None of that makes it right. But but there needs is, to be rules Chet, in sports. Well, the, the transfer idea, uh, the open door transfer rule, 
has allowed this to go on, but the pay for play has been going on behind the scenes for years and yes. years. And I, I prefer and it. Caleb Williams is about to make a fortune from either Georgia I, or Clemson. And, and the more that Georgia ha- or Clemson should pony up and try to get this guy as their quarterback next year. Yeah, the more this happens, the more I wish it would all go back underground. <laughs> it would just be done below the table. <laughs> I, I prefer the you know the, where most people can claim ignorance uh, with it. Well, if they come up with if they go back to somehow being able to police this, then I don't think you can put it back in the bottle. They have to come up with a way to do this for coaches as well, because what's what's fair for the coaches should be fair for the player. And unfortunately, Lincoln Riley bolted, and Caleb Williams can also do the same thing. And that's what Oklahoma's facing. But uh, Oklahoma, they lose Caleb Williams and they get Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, I mean, they, think about being in another situation across. Think about being UCLA. <laughs> but so, what happens to their big re-recruitment of Caleb Williams that they put out a press release and everything? Well, about he's yesterday? he's probably not going to go. I mean, they, they know now he's not coming. Yeah, I mean, they they still recruited Caleb Williams while they had their big five star starting the season that beat him out. So they were trying to do the same thing. It appears headlines when we return on Outkick three hundred and sixty, including King Henry practicing with the Titans tomorrow, according to reports. Stay tuned.